In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many women think that they have a straight out eating disorder. Little do they know that they may also have undiagnosed ADHD. If you struggle with your eating and also have challenges around attention, focus, concentration, organization, being messy, being a little bit impulsive and have trouble controlling your thoughts, you could have a comorbidity of ADHD. We dive into this today and talk about what the causes are and how you can start to get your life back on track. Over to Kylie to start the episode. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate and validate. Enjoy the show. Steph, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Thank you. I was so excited to have a chat and talk about the different topics we're going to talk about today. We've got a lot to cover. So you and I are actually going to record a couple of short episodes and we're going to go across a multitude of topics. But we thought that we would start with this topic, which is the comorbidity between eating disorders and ADHD. In women especially. And I don't want to I guess, stereotype, but that is the rise that we're seeing through the pandemic. Women realized they had undiagnosed ADHD, but even more so that their eating issues were linked to undiagnosed ADHD. When you say eating issues, what sort of eating behaviors would you say fall under the umbrella of eating disorders? Yeah. And I love that you said that because eating disorders, disordered eating happens on a spectrum. So it can be from anywhere to being obsessive with dieting or weight loss or calorie control to the point that it impacts your life to having an eating disorder, which is, you know, a diagnosed condition, binge eating disorder, bulimia, um, avoidant restrictive feeding and intake disorder. There's, there's many that can fall in line, anorexia nervosa, but Essentially, I guess an eating concern is when your behavior, your thoughts, your feelings around food become problematic and interfere with your day-to-day functioning. Yes, that makes sense. 
And so if someone is noticing that they do have some, you know, disordered eating habits, whether it is quite extreme or whether it's kind of on the more minus end of the scale, what are some things they should be considering in terms of is there crossover with ADHD? Yeah, such a good question. So essentially, let's just break them down. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental condition where people struggle with memory, attention, focus, concentration, regulating their emotions because the way their brain is wired is different. They have really, really high-powered software or high-powered brains that are in essentially a, you know, an old computer. So they sometimes feel they've got so much ideas, so much thoughts, but it's it's hard to channel that in a concisive, clear way. And because of the executive challenges, it can have other problems with, you know, time management, organization, prioritizing. And look, there are a lot of strengths of having ADHD, such as hyper-focus. Um, a lot of people are very empathetic, but obviously everyone is different. And an eating disorder is a psychological condition. So we've kind of got brain and then we've got mental health, but ADHD can lead to a lot of mental health concerns. And usually people get misdiagnosed because they have symptoms of anxiety, depression that come from the executive dysfunction. So someone might say, growing up, I was told I was always late or I just couldn't reach my full potential. Something was wrong with me. And obviously that causes secondary problems or what I call collateral life damage, low self-esteem, issues with relationships, etc. And then when we look at an eating disorder, so this is an ongoing, enduring, problematic pattern with food and your body. Depending on which eating disorder it is, some are related to food in your body, some are not at all. So I guess in the space of ADHD, the most commonly occurring comorbidities is ADHD binge eating disorder, ADHD bulimia, even ADHD anorexia as well. And there's different reasons for these. And so you mentioned ADHD is a psychological neurodevelopmental functioning thing. (laughs) And then we've got our mental health thing, which could be an eating disorder, but then eating disorders also have the physical and physiological component, right? Because then your physical body is impacted as well. And so depending on the eating disorder, you can then have physical ailments. So you've got all of these things coming at you from like every single angle in life. Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually didn't think of that, but you're right. Eating disorders can impact your physical health for sure. And especially um, with anorexia nervosa, it is complex because it then does become a medical issue as well. Not to say that eating disorders aren't as serious as other ones, but yes, there is that cross overlap. And it's interesting because a lot of people think that ADHD shouldn't be in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, because it's not psychological, it's brain-based. However, we do need to essentially categorize it because it helps inform treatment. And there's so many, I guess, emotional or psychological impacts of the condition. But the reason they're not in the DSM-5, the criteria is very brain-based, is because the psychological part is hard to quantify. Like you can't really measure someone's anxiety or outbursts or 
rejection sensitivity. So this is why women don't realize they have it or it gets misdiagnosed because the criteria is very brain-based. Is there part of it as well, Steph, I'm just wondering out loud, in terms of someone that might have ADHD and struggles with organization or feeling a sense of control, that then an eating disorder becomes very attractive because that is a little component that they can control? Yeah, and control can be a big part of it. And I guess an eating disorder is attractive to people with ADHD because it meets a lot of the needs of ADHD. So ADHD essentially inside the brain, there are different levels of dopamine and norepinephrine. So these essential neurotransmitters are responsible for your motivation, your organization, getting started on tasks. And when you're low in that, you will seek it in other places, right? We all know when we're a little bit bored or we're a little bit um, angry or we're a little bit moody, whatever it might be, we seek to change our mood. And food is often the quickest way. When I'm feeling upset and down, maybe I grew up in eating ice cream or maybe my parents didn't talk about emotions. Maybe they just handed me a chocolate bar. So if you're listening to this, you can reflect on what was your relationship with food growing up. But because of the challenges with dopamine and norepinephrine, food is an easy way to meet those needs. So people will go for foods that make them feel good or, you know, that are sweet or that'll give them energy. Um, So from one perspective, the eating disorder meets that need for dopamine. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And I had wondered about that dopamine connection and how that translates to eating disorders as well. So that's really, really fascinating. If someone is listening and they're nodding along and thinking, oh my goodness, I always thought I just had an eating disorder, but perhaps I have ADHD. Are there instances that you're aware of, Steph, where someone, a woman has sought out treatment for her ADHD and as a symptom of treating her ADHD, her eating disorder has also improved? Yes. And for different reasons. With ADHD, usually the first line of treatment is medication. And that medication is stimulants. And stimulants can, well, often suppress your appetite. So it can actually go the other way and be problematic. I've had people with ADHD have their Vyvanse taken away from them because they've ended up in hospital because they weren't eating. This is obviously an extreme case and there was other comorbidities there as well. But yes, it can put urges to binge at bay, but it's not the only answer. You need intervention for ADHD along with your eating, such as structure and routine. So yes, treatment for ADHD can help with an eating disorder because medication can help with binge eating urges, if you do some ADHD coaching or get some executive functioning strategies, that helps create structure around your organization. So you may be more organized with food. And because you're medicating your executive dysfunction, you have the energy and the capacity to remember A, to eat, to prepare food, to plan ahead. So the eating can be improved as a secondary, I guess, impact of improving executive function. So just just imagine, it's almost like you have a really good night's sleep. 
or you have coffee and then suddenly you're switched on and things feel a bit better. They feel easier. Whereas when you're really tired or you haven't eaten, everything feels really hard. So we know that life is just better when your brain is better. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to women that you have worked with as a psychologist and women that you just interact with, whether that's social media or in real life, do you find that there is a disproportionate amount of women who have disordered eating tendencies versus women who don't? I ask the question because my reality, when I think about the women in my life and women I interact with, whether that's online or whatever, I can't think of one woman that I know where I would go, she has absolutely no eating issues. Whereas with men, I can think of many men that I've interacted with and go, oh yeah, they look at food purely as fuel. It feels like eating and food is just something that so many women struggle with. And obviously we're socialized. There's so much conditioning going on. It's you know, linked to our body image. There's so much happening. Mm. But like how many women actually have a very, very healthy relationship with food and eating? Yeah. And I agree. Everyone has tendencies, not everyone, but even yourself. I mean, I still have little things I'm unconscious or subconsciously not even aware of. And I think to answer your question, so many women have stuff they don't even think is stuff. Yes. They don't even think is problematic. For example, I I have this thing that I noticed and I had to actually apologize to my partner because I lost it over a fork. I really like to eat with this specific black fork. It's just cool. It's sleek. It just makes me feel good. Same with the spoons. When I had an eating disorder, I had certain spoons I really liked. I didn't want to eat with the thick spoon. I wanted the, the, the long spoon or the black fork. And he put it in the dishwasher and I hadn't started eating and I got so upset. I'm like, that was my fork. Like, how could you take that away from me? And I got angry and then I got myself together. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. But sometimes I just get hijacked by these little eating disorder tendencies where I have a cutlery preference and I was hungry as well. So I was vulnerable and that just set me off. But I recognized it straight away. I apologized and I ate with a different fork. So it was okay. But I want to know, do you experience the same thing? Obviously you've experienced an eating disorder, but do you think you still have tendencies if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why I've said before in episodes, I think perhaps even in the last conversation we had for the podcast, Steph, I don't know if I believe that recovery, like a hundred percent recovery exists because of the world we live in. Because I think even people without, you know, diagnosed eating disorders do have disordered eating tendencies. So I've often wondered, what does a hundred percent recovery look like? Yeah. You know, for me, I feel great that I don't think about food all day long. You know, at my very lowest, when I was my very sickest, for me, food was such a preoccupation. Calories, what was I going to eat? Making food for other people, calorie redistribution, Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. But I then often think, you know, I am still so interested in talking about eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So does that fuel some sort of disordered eating fire for me because I will look at people on TikTok and social on Instagram 
you know, and they'll have accounts talking about recovery, but they're actually now bodybuilders. And I'm like, well, are you recovered or have you transferred your predilection for starving yourself over to now being obsessed with shaping your body? Mm. So I wonder. And for me, I think I'm in a good place, but I'm also mindful that I probably am not normal with food, yep. such as such as if you were to come over, Steph, and bring me a birthday cake, I would not want to eat a piece of it. And I have, I honestly believe that I don't like the taste of it. Do I not like the taste of it? Do I not like how it feels in my body? Or is that something that I tell myself? I don't know. I still have little things like that, but I could have a bite of it and it wouldn't ruin my day and I'd move on and I could have a bite of it and I wouldn't experience my heart racing and want to go into a binge like I did years ago. So for me, that's good. That's healthy for me that I could easily have a bite. I could have a ice cream with the kids or whatever it is and not then go into this massive spiral and have to punish myself. I would just move on and eat normally. So yes and no, you know, I don't know if that answers the question. I think the answer is recovery is relative to where you're at and what your goals are. Okay. So same, same. I enjoy food, but I eat the same thing every day. I have the same breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's because I enjoy it and it's easy for me. Whereas thinking of what to eat is stressful, but eating the exact same breakfast for three months in a row for some people may be considered problematic, but I'm not doing it because I can't eat anything else. It's just easy and efficient and achievable to me. And your career is talking about these things. You share food, you talk about it all the time. You know what I mean? I've had eating disorder uh, coaches on before where they've transitioned from having an eating disorder themselves to coaching people. And I've left the conversation going, does that still, you know, satisfy some sort of itch within them? Oh, 100%. So many people get into industries so they can still have some sort of connection. Now, I'm not saying every coach or psychologist is in it for the same reason, but a lot of people who've had a eating disorder will say they got into nutrition because of their, their eating disorder or they got into personal training because it's normalized to be in that industry and talk about it all the time. So perhaps a need is getting met by talking about it for people. It's interesting. And a lot of people aren't healed. If we've got people listening right now, Steph, who are nodding along with this crossover between ADHD and eating disorders, what's one thing that you would want them to leave this episode with? Good question. And before I answer that, you asked me sort of what are the signs that you see or what people, I guess, uh, present with. The way I know and look, eating disorders I've done for a long time, ADHD, not as long, but people usually come to me with an eating disorder and they leave with an ADHD diagnosis um, because there's such a clear cut presentation. It's the same thing. They have no structure around food. They binge eat. They're attracted to junk food. They're forgetful. They describe themselves as a mess. They're really hard on themselves, um, emotional, So it's just along with the eating, I just pick up on all these issues with attention, focus, messiness, uh, feeling like they're 
the problem. Maybe they've got relationship issues, struggle with their weight. So if you have that mixture of struggles with inattention, focus, um, rejection, sensitivity, organization, but also with food, and if it's been going on for a long time, both, that's when it can uh, potentially be ADHD. But if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, is this me? What can I do? Have a look at my videos. Head on over to my TikTok, Mind Food Steph. Watch my videos because I think that is how a lot of people start to learn or just look at content online that speaks about ADHD, how it presents in women or eating disorders. And I think at the end of the day, like what you said, Kylie, with recovery, it's relative to you and your your goal. Is this how you want to live your life? Are you okay with the fact that if I brought you a birthday cake, you would feel really anxious about it and affected? Is that something that's problematic or you want to work on? You know, for me, I feel in a really happy and good place. I don't restrict myself of any food, but I'm still mindful of what I eat and my food choices and going to the gym. So I think there's a level of, I guess, structure or discipline that is adaptive and functional. I don't think it's necessarily healthy to go completely off the radar. So I think it comes down to that person and how they're functioning day to day and how they ultimately see themselves in their best light. Such simple but helpful advice. Like how do you see yourself in your best light? Is this the life you want to be living? Yeah, physically and mentally, because so many people will be like, oh, I just want to go back to my high school body. I'll say, how did you feel then? I felt like crap. Okay, why why 60 kilos? Why that number? People can't answer me. So do you really want it or do you want it because you think that that number is going to bring you something that you can't have now? So reflect on if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need to lose weight, I need to be this number. Really reflect on why, what is it going to give you that you can't have now? Um, but you're right, it is, it's simple, but it's challenging. Absolutely. You mentioned your TikTok. You are prolific over on TikTok. Love so TikTok. incredibly helpful. You're so great over there. I mean, you're great on Instagram. You're great on your podcast, which tell our listeners about about your podcast as well, please. Yes. So I have a podcast called the What's Eating You podcast with psychologist Stephanie Giorgio. And we talk about all different mental health topics. We speak about borderline personality disorder. I have questions that people submit, which can be quite deep, dark, triggering. And I feel I'm in a position to comment on those conditions from a psychologist perspective and give some helpful tips and tricks. So please check it out and let me know what you think. I'm still new in the podcast space. Kylie, your goals, I'm trying to um, get to your status. So yes, I'm curious to know if people enjoy it. Please let me know. I'll pop a link directly to your TikTok, your Instagram, and also your podcast because it is an incredible resource. And I'm sure our listeners will jump over and hit follow on the podcast as well. Steph, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.